You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. I'm going to pick right up the offering people stole some of my time. So um, I'm going to pick right, right up where I left off uh, last week. But um, hallelujah, if you listen this morning, uh, it's going to be similar. But I got some other things that I'm going to share that the Lord put on my heart this afternoon uh, to share that I think is really going to be a help to people. And so last week, I started ministering on uh, the antidote for deception and I felt this to be a really, really important uh, topic, a really important thing for people to understand because we live in a day when deception is a reality. I think it's always been a reality. Well, it has been because, remember, uh, Adam and Eve were deceived in the garden. So, you know, deception has been around for a while. But Jesus talked about how that this would be something there would be more and more deception would happen as the, as the day approaches and as the, we get closer to, you know, the end times, the last days there's going to be more and more deception. And so it's good for us to be uh, insulated, inoculated, uh, spiritually vaccinated from, uh, <laughs> from deception. I knew I'd find a way to stick that in there some way. Uh, whatever. Anyways, okay. And so it's good for us to be at a place to where we, we don't, I'm sorry, sometimes you just got to laugh. In my journal this whole year, uh, squirrel, in my journal this whole year, I've been talking about just how that, um, just asking the Lord to show me something about his love every day. And every day, most of the time, as soon as I write it, Lord, show me about your love. He speaks something to me. Sometimes it comes later, but almost right away. And you know one of the things he told me? He said, Kent, laughter is involved in love. You have to learn to laugh more. So I'm going to try not to do it so much when I'm ministering, but I just, you know, I got the can't help it. So I just kind of can't help it sometimes. I really enjoy my life. Like, I really, I really do. I didn't used to really did, but now I really do. I really do. And my horrible English sometimes is also funny. So, um, but man, God's so good. He's so good. And it says in Psalms 2, it says, why do the people plot? And there's a different, there's a couple different ways you can, you can read this. Why do the people plot a vain thing? But then another, other translations say, why do the people plot in vain? See, people are plotting and conspiring against the Lord. And then the next thing it says, he who sits in the heavens laughs. Because see, when people are plotting against the Lord and against the Lord's anointed, you, they're doing it in vain because God's on our side. So we can just laugh at that stuff. Just laugh at the devil, man. Just laugh at the stuff of life. Learn how to laugh. You'll live longer and you'll live stronger and you'll feel a whole lot better by the time you get to the end of your day. Amen. That was for somebody in here. So dealing with the, the issue of deception, you know, there's an antidote for deception. And so what I got into last week is really just talking about the fact that the word of God is the antidote for deception. But it's not just the word. In particular, it's revelation knowledge from the word. Because you can have scriptures, but if you don't know what they say, you don't know what it means, then you're going to be left in, in the dark. Because deception is a form of darkness and the word of God is light. How many of y'all know that there's a lot of people that have a family Bible on the table that are living in extreme darkness because they don't know what it says. They don't know the author of the one that wrote it. And so I had a, um, 
someone talked to me after the, the morning service this morning, and, and uh, he said, I really enjoyed your message. And he said, but it was different than what I thought it was, was going to be. And uh, I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I thought it was going to be deception, 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 but it was revelation, revelation, revelation. And so then I told him the story, and I thought, you know, I, I probably should have included that. That would have helped. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this, that, you know, whenever the, the government and the FBI in particular, they have, which is terrible, I'm online now, whatever, you can't say anything. Yeah, you can say anything, but you're going to get kicked off. But whatever. Anyways, we just this. We're actually what we're going to end up doing is we're going to get in, we're going to get a. Uh, this is in, in our future. We're going to get a uh, live streaming stuff to be on our church website. So then we can just say anything that we want to say. We don't have to worry about saying stuff to get it. So that's in our future. But um, so you have to be mindful of these things when you're trying to just be mindful of God's business. But the 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 government, in particular, I know there's sections of the FBI to where they train people to uh, find counterfeit currency because there's people that will counterfeit the, the U.S. dollar and try to, of course, pass it off as some, being something legit, but it's, it's, decept, it's deception, right? And so what this is very, very important. What they do to help those agents be able to know counterfeit isn't that they go and they look and they find every form of counterfeit, but they teach them about the real thing. And therefore, when anything comes and measures up against uh, the real thing, they know the real thing so well, they're able to spot it. Because there's always different forms of deception that's out there. When you talk about counterfeit currency, I mean, people have been counterfeiting currency for a long, 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 long time, and they just find new ways to do it. And so what they do is they teach these agents um, to study the real thing so well that they can spot uh, they can spot fraud from a mile away. Well, that's the same thing that it's supposed to do for us and how we're supposed to do. We should know the Word of God, and we should have so much revelation from the Word that whenever we have something coming at us or coming towards us or an opportunity in front of us, we're so we're so um, skilled in the Word of God. We're so skilled in revelation knowledge that it's easy for us to spot deception. And you know, that's something that you can grow in. I was the kind of person that could be deceived uh, years ago a lot more easy than I can be deceived now. And the reason is, is because I've, I've allowed my heart to grab hold of revelation, to allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate my heart and bring me revelation. So I'm in the light. And so when darkness comes, it's really easy to see when darkness is coming when you're walking and living in the light. Amen. And so here is the, the definition for revelation, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight, because uh, or this afternoon, revelation, it really is the antidote for darkness or deception, because revelation, another thing you could call it is illumination, or you could call it, you could call it light. And so the, the, the idea of revelation is that the thing that was not known is now made known. And so if you walk into a room, and it's dark in the room, the way that you find out what is in the room is that you turn on the light. It's the same thing that happens inside of us, in our hearts, and with the issues of life. So the definition of revelation, according to the Strongs, is to make known, manifest, and to disclose what was before unknown. So here's a question we should ask ourselves. Are there things currently right now that are unknown to me? that God wants me to know. And I think everybody could probably say, yeah, there's things that I don't know concerning the spiritual realm, concerning the word of God. But it's actually a ploy of the enemy to get people to just acknowledge that, but then do, then do nothing about trying to discover 
and cooperate with the Lord to have more revelation. The idea of revelation is a continued thing. And so the, another, another way to describe what revelation is, is it's an unveiling. And if you've ever, ever been to a place to where you're like a theater or something that has curtains, or maybe you open your curtains in the morning on your window, something like that. And when you do that, it's an unveiling of what's on the other side of those. This is what life is. From the time you, before you're, you get born again, you, ha, you basically have no revelation. Now, you might know some things that could be accurate, but if you've not been born again, then you don't have the ability to get revelation from the revelator, which is the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit of God isn't given to the unbelievers. It's given to the believers. He's given to the believers. He comes to live in, in, on the inside of people that have put their faith and trust in him. So the point that where we get born again, this is how I view it. It's like the curtain gets, gets partway opened up. And we have a little bit of revelation, and we come out of a little bit of deception. Amen? And then the rest of our life is like this. We're opening the window all the way to the point to where eventually we die or Jesus returns. But there is no end to it until we get to heaven. There is no end to it until we get to the other side. So we have to be in a, in a state of continually, continually seeking the Lord, asking him, Lord, reveal to me your secrets. Reveal to me your word. And the Lord takes tremendous pleasure in this. He designed it like this. He doesn't want people to just like, he doesn't want to just give people stuff without relationship. He's, he's a relational God. He wants a relationship with us. And here's the thing about Revelation. Are you ready for this? Revelation, you're like, I don't know. What are you going to say? Revelation <laughs> brings persecution. Relationship with the Lord brings strength. This is why the Lord has teamed revelation and relationship to, up together. Because if you get revelation outside of relationship, you won't have the strength to deal with the persecution that comes with it. Let me say that again. If you get revelation, if you could get, you can't. But if you could get revelation... Outside of relationship, you wouldn't have the strength to deal with the persecution that comes with it. Remember in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about the thorn in the flesh. Remember that? And the reason he talked about the thorn of the flesh, or he talked about the reason he had it, it was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him, <laughs> buffet him. It was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him for the abundance of revelations. The enemy doesn't want us to have revelation, but if somebody gets to the point to where they have revelation, the enemy will work to stop them because revelation is what causes people to come out of darkness and into light. You take a minister, a pastor, a person, whoever they are that has a revelation of who God is and they start to open up their mouth, that's when change comes. I'm convinced that the world is not, because when I read in the Bible and it's like, uh, the, the ones that have been, you know, totally transformed through the ministry of Jesus in the day of Pentecost, they came and they turned the world right side up, didn't they? And I'm not, I'm not seeing that like I really believe that we should be seeing. You all know what I'm talking about? Like, I feel like it's almost the other way around. And I'm like, wait a second, we're supposed to be the ones that are turning things right side up. I think it's because we're not carrying the amount of revelation that we need to be carrying. And there's only one place we can go to get revelation, and that is the Word of God combined with, very important, combined with the Spirit of God. And I think that there is a measure 
of an emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the interaction with him in our life that maybe we have lost. We honor a book that they didn't have more than the presence that they did have. Now, somebody could take that and be like, oh, I thought the word of God was the most important thing. It, it is the most important thing. It's our plumb line for truth. If we don't have the word of God, man, we could be all over the place believing all kinds of stuff. But if you take the word without the spirit, you don't have the key to unlock what this word is saying. If you don't have, if you don't have the Holy Spirit revealing things to you, it's just as if your Bible is closed. Because if you open it without him, you're getting what's written in paper and ink here. But unless it comes here, unless it becomes a revelation, there's no power in it. Because when, when the enemy comes against you, because see, revelation will reveal who you are. It will give you strength. You'll operate in your authority. And when the enemy comes at you, you can quote scripture verses. You can quote what somebody else says. But if it's not coming from a place of someone who really has a revelation, you're not going to do any dam damage to the enemy. You're not going to be able to win in that situation because it has to come from someone who's had revelation shown on their heart. So here is, here is what we are without revelation. You guys getting anything out of this so far tonight? Here is what we are without revelation. There's five things. There might be more, but these are five things that I believe that we are without revelation. Number one is that we're spiritually blind. You could also say we're spiritually deaf. You could also say that we spiritually don't know anything. Because in the spirit, we have, we have senses just like we do in, in the natural. And you can, you can specifically find three areas that talks about spiritually how we perceive things. We can know things, we can hear things, and we can see things. And so if we don't have revelation, if light hasn't come on, then we are spiritually deaf, blind, and dumb. That's, that's actually really strong. Everybody okay? Without revelation, without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, we are deaf, blind, and dumb. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, I got born again, but now I fixed that problem, I'm born again, I'm in the light. You're in part of the light, I'm in part of the light. But we've not gotten a hold of the full thing yet, I can promise you that. There is way more that God wants to reveal to us. And so we are spiritually less blind, we're less deaf, and we're less, not dumb, because that means you can't speak. We're less ignorant. We know more than what we did. We hear more than what we did. And we can see more than what we used to be able to. Where we're at now, and I, I know this is, and I don't look at people and say this, but like I know that there's people that look at me that are further along in the Lord and then go, I can see where he's at. I was there at one point. And just like everybody in this room, we know people. We've got family members that like we want them to come to an, a saving knowledge of Christ. We want them to come into a relationship with Jesus. And we've got all this fruit in our life. Man, we're happy. We're joyful. We're God's doing miracles. And like we're just, you know, our life's going good. And even if it's not going that great, we're at least, we're at least convicted on the inside about who God is. And yet we have family members that will look at us and they look at us like we have two heads. And yet they're the one that's in, that's in darkness. You know, I had this, um, this watching my, this is my dad over here. And so, um, that's why I point to him like five times. <laughs> um, anyways, um, anyways, not time for family fun, Kent, you're preaching. Uh, 
I laugh a lot more now than I used to. It's a good thing. But looking at watching my mom and dad's family, like they came from two opposite ends of the spectrum. Dad's family was straight heathen. Like, I mean, straight heathen. And my mom's family was self-righteous. Like it was two opposite ends of the spectrum. They both got radically converted, baptized in the Holy Ghost, Raised at least one of four amazing kids. Um, one of them was amazing anyways. Uh, but, sorry. Sorry, two. But anyways, the, in our family growing up, like, there was, there was light there. There was life there. There was prosperity. There was health. There was strength. There was joy. There was forward movement. There was great relationships. All the things you get in the kingdom and their siblings and most of their family looked at them like they were total, complete, out of their mind. And they're looking going, don't you guys want what we have? First of all, it's eternal security because we have our faith in Christ. That's the most important thing. When we die, we know where we're going. Secondly, until we get to that point, We've got the best of everything because of Jesus. You can tell them this, but it's like they're on the other side of a veil and they can't understand what it is that you're saying. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? you got family members just like that. Pray for them because the issue is not them being evil. The issue is that they are deceived. People who are deceived don't, aren't, aren't deceived because they're evil. They become evil or they do evil things. They do wrong things because they are deceived. So what we need to do is just continue to pray for them, speak the word to them, minister to them as much as they'll receive it. But you have to realize the word says that the God of this world, which is speaking of Satan, the God of this world, this world system has blinded the minds of the unbelieving to the light of the glorious gospel. I mean, that's quite a statement when you think about it. Their minds, their ability to perceive and understand and know truth have been blinded. Their minds have been blinded. They have a blindfold over them to where they can't see what's going on spiritually. They are not able to perceive. And so it's like, how does, how does this, how do we do this? How does this work? Prayer is very important. When it comes to family members who are lost, you have to pray for them. It's very, very important that you do that, and you also need to speak the word to them. But if you try to overdo it, they're going to shut you down. How many of y'all been shut down by family members before? Like, everybody's like, yeah, I've been there. What's going on? They haven't come to this place to where they have the capacity to perceive yet. And it's really, really a sad, it's really a, a very, very sad state. But what they need is they need an encounter with Jesus. They don't need an encounter with religion. I found that out years ago because I, my natural gifting is to teach. When I see a problem, I'm like, let me teach you into that. Well, that works like 2% of the time, you know. <laughs> Most of the time, people just, they need loved. They need different, different avenues of showing, relating Christ to them. And when you have opportunity, you give them truth. And then hopefully, they'll soften up enough to where they can step over it and they can see the light. They can see what it is that we can see. They can see why we're such radical holy rollers, which used to be a term about people rolling around on the floor, but whatever. Whatever that means to you now, we're just radical for Jesus. But there has, to, there has to come this time to where they encounter Jesus to where Jesus takes off the blindfold and they're able to see. Oh, oh my gosh, this is what you're talking about here. 
Because how many of y'all have had opportunities with people like that, that you prayed, you, you ministered, you witnessed, you prayed, you had them over for dinner, you loved on them, you bought their kids things. I mean, you did everything you could to, to possibly reach them. And finally they go, oh, 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 I see this God you're talking. Yeah, I see. How many of y'all experienced that before? Less of you, <laughs> but you're still working at it. Amen. Amen. We have a lot more that probably haven't received than have received, but thank God for the ones that have, and we just keep pressing forward towards the ones that, that still need to. But it's kind of like this, and I used this analogy this morning, and this, this was really helpful for me, and I think for the people in the room too. Years ago, Liz and I, when we were uh, the, the worst youth pastors ever, uh, we, Liz was eight months pregnant. I was at home. I think I cowered out at home. Man, youth are tough to minister to. God bless you, woman of God. And uh, anyways, so... Um, we, uh, Liz was there. She was like eight months pregnant. And we had, at this point, we had like 60 kids in there, 50, 60 kids, 40. I don't know, a bunch. There was a lot. And uh, Liz was just pouring out her heart, sharing her testimony. And the kids are like, are you done? We're tired of hearing this. And Liz was like, like this. And she's like, you know what? Everybody just go home. Just, just go. Youth is over. And so youth was over that night. I don't think we really ever recouped anyways. So I should have been there to help her out, but whatever. Um, so what we did, it's that husband you gave me, Lord. Um, what we did, though, we did this, all that was just totally side nugget and not worthy of speech. But we took these, uh, we took a bunch of cups. We did, we did a, a, a little, not a game, but a, like a, just kind of an object lesson with them. And what we did is we set, we took cups and we set up an obstacle course from one end to the other. And we put a whole bunch of these cups. Maybe we had some other things too, I don't remember. But then we put, put them in, uh, in teams of two. And one of them would be blindfolded. And then the other one would stand at the other end of this obstacle course. And the one that was blindfolded would receive instructions from one at the other end. And they'd say, okay, go forward, stop. Now step over to the left. Now move forward one, now step over to the right. Now take a big step over. Try to get them to the other end without knocking any of the, the stuff over in the, in, in the thing. You know what that is? That is knowledge. Because what the person down here was doing for the person that was blindfolded them, blindfolding them is that they were telling them what it is that they needed to hear. And they were, there was prizes involved, so they were really trying to win the game. They were giving them the correct information, but still yet, this person, all they could do was try and understand somehow what it is that they were saying. Do you know what, what revelation is? Revelation, in that case, would have been if their teammate came and they took the blindfold and took it off and said, now, go to the other end. That's what it looks like when we read the Bible with knowledge versus revelation knowledge. It's like we can read it, we see what it's saying, okay, we know what's right, we know what we're supposed to do, but something's just not gelling. And that's what we need the Lord to do. Before we get saved, we need him to come in and remove the blindfold and go, here, this is really what you need to know. And we go, oh, wow. And this is where you have people that have radical encounters with Jesus. He rips the blindfold off, they fall to their face, and they give their life to him. I want some more encounters like that in my time ministering to other people. But it's also the time when you're, you're in your own private time with the Lord and you're just pouring your heart out to Jesus and you're just spending time with him and you read something in the word that you've read, you know, a passage you've read 20 other times and all of a sudden you're reading it one day and it's like Jesus is like, oh, I've known this, but I'm going to show you something. And he reaches down and pulls the blindfold up and you go, whoa, I've never seen that before. And he gets so much joy out of that. You know why? Because he was there to reveal it to you. If he doesn't reveal it to you, you can't get it. 
If you only write down one thing for tonight, if you only write down one thing on paper or in your heart, know this. If he doesn't reveal it to you, you can't get it. Revelation is beyond the ability of man. It requires the Holy Spirit to do it. Now, we cooperate with him. We position, we posture ourselves right, but it, it is a work of him. He has to be the one to do it. And so here are the five things. I, I, I preach myself out of the, the five things. I'm going right back into it. So we're spiritually blind, number one. This is what we are without revelation, spiritually blind. blind. Number two, we're bound to earth's reality and therefore limited by the natural realm. There is a whole realm that you cannot discern by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. It's impossible to discern the spiritual realm with your natural senses or just with your thinking or just your feelings. It requires the word of God and requires the spirit of God to reveal it to you. But there is a whole other realm, the spiritual realm, which created everything that we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And of course, that's the realm that God is in. And so if we are spiritually blind or we're without revelation, then we are bound to earth's reality. That's a terrible way to live. You know what somebody looks like who's bound to earth's reality? They have a, and this, I've seen this many, many, many times over the years doing funerals, either for people that were, were in the church or associated with the church or family members or whatever. And I know that that person is a believer. Like this has happened more times than I could, than I could count at the moment, that that person was a believer. And then the family members come in and they're like, oh, oh, and they're just tore up about it. And it's because they can't see the reality of that person like I can see the reality of that person. They're bound by natural circumstances because they don't have a revelation of the life after the one that we're, we're at now. That's somebody that's bound and very limited by the natural realm. And nobody likes to lose, you know, loved ones. But, you know, like my, my mom, we lost her, was it six years ago today? Is that right? Six years ago today that we lost her. And you know what? It was it was horrible. I mean, she was an incredible woman. And we mourned her, her death, but at the same time, we're like, we're going to see you in a little bit. All she did was transfer living locations. Too early, but she transferred living locations. Her body gave up. She went on. And we eventually, we stopped mourning. There are people that will mourn for months and years. And I'm not talking about like a remembrance and like, ah, oh, tear comes to your eye. I still get that happening. But I don't, I don't mourn like those who have no hope. Why do I have hope? Because I have a revelation of the life after. I have a revelation reading the word of God and, and allowing the Holy Spirit to teach me about what happens when people die. And literally, when they depart, those who are in Christ are absent from their body, but they are present with the Lord. It's not just the scripture verse we use at a funeral. It's a reality of people that die that are in Christ. That's what it means to not be bound by earth's reality or an example of it. Number three, uh, without revelation, we are forced to rely on secondhand information only. So it's kind of like, it's like well, another way you could say it is like regurgitated information. <laughs> regurgitated revelation, which is only information to you until the Holy Spirit makes it revelation to you. So you can be sitting and listening to somebody minister the word like I'm, like I'm doing right now, and I'm giving you revelation. I'm giving you things that God has given to me that he's revealed to me, and I'm giving it to you. And it's, it is revelation, but it's basically information until the Holy Spirit says, that's for you. And he puts his finger on it, and he plays the, the note in your heart. He strums the chord and makes it real to you on the inside. That's when it becomes, that's when it becomes revelation. And so you can, you can, have, you can listen to, to you know, 700 podcasts 
And in, in a year, I don't even know if that's possible, whatever, you could listen to podcasts all the time, but until the Holy Spirit, from great men and women of God, but until the Holy Spirit makes it alive on the inside of you, unless he quickens it inside of you, in your heart, then all it is is just secondhand or regurgitated information. It is not revelation to you. I don't want to live in that realm of watching other people have revelation, spit it out to me, and I'm like, yeah, I want that. I want that, but it never become real to me. This is when you cross over from going, Pastor Kent said, Andrew Womack said, Bill Johnson said, Kenneth Copeland said, Joyce Meyer said, or whoever it is the person you listen to. It's when you cross over from that place to where you say, God said, God showed me this. The word showed me this. And when you get a revelation about something, people, here's the thing is that a lot of the persecution, like I was talking about Paul's thorn in the flesh, a lot of the persecution that will come to you, at least in this country, because it's not legal for them, for, for them to chop our heads off and burn us at the stake. And those things are happening in other countries. The persecution that will come is what's legally allowed. And what's legally allowed, and this is why the word says to pray for those who are in rule over us so that we can live quiet and peaceable lives. I never knew what that meant until I started putting it in context of persecution. Pray that our leaders make good stuff so the church doesn't get persecuted and we can just preach the gospel without concern of that stuff. But persecution will oftentimes come in forms of people just coming against you for what you for what you believe. We found this when we first started getting a hold of the love of God and about healing and different things that promises from the word. I had people, so many people rise up against me. I mean, so my friends, they were like, you're a nut job. They didn't say they didn't have to say it. They didn't say it. They didn't have to say it for me to know that that's what they were thinking. I mean, they thought I was one French fry short of a happy meal. I mean, they just did not know what to think about me because I was I had revelation. I had enlightenment on my heart. And someone with a, with a revelation is never at the mercy of someone with an argument. Revelation will change how you live. Knowledge will change how you argue. Hallelujah. Okay, here's number four, uh, what we are without revelation. I feel like I need to say that again so we all didn't get that. Knowledge will change how you argue. Revelation will change how you live. If you don't want to be radical, don't get revelation. Keep the family on the Bible, the family table on the Bible, occasionally crack it open and, you know, then go back to watching Meet the Depressed on TV and you'll be just fine and you won't become radicalized. (laughs) But if you get alone with Jesus, with the word, you're going to get radical. You're going to get on fire and you're going to make some people mad. But who cares about what people think? Just care about what Jesus thinks. Amen. So here's number four, uh, what we are without revelation is in danger of living in form without any power. That's what you call religion, form without power. Paul warned Timothy, he said, that there will come a time when people will hold to a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Forgive me for saying this, but this is like a lot of the, the traditional type of church settings that we've seen and we've grown, grown up in or been a part of, and God loves those people. I love those people. I'm not against those people. I pray for those people. I meet with those people. I do whatever I can for those people, but so much of it is form without any power. There's no altar calls for a a, a word of knowledge that says, or a word of wisdom, whatever you want to call it, a prophecy that says God's going to come through in your your finances, or let's pray over you for healing, or that kind of stuff doesn't exist in most church environments, but they do a lot of stuff. What are they doing? I don't know. I'm actually really not even sure. I remember one time years ago, Liz listened to this message. This message from somebody. And she goes, 
and the Liz is the least critical person I know, except for maybe Wendy. I don't know. It's a toss-up. But she goes, I got nothing out of that. And it was, I was like, wow, okay. But I, I realized, looking back, I was like, she, she heard something from somebody that had all this stuff to say, but there was no power behind it. And there was no power, I would say, because they probably weren't connected to the one that has the power. All right, here's number five thing that will happen is that we become handicapped in our calling. Our calling is revealed to us. Your calling is a supernatural calling. And if we are living based on uh, natural or just, you know, just knowledge, just natural things, then we're going to be limited or we're going to be handicapped in the calling that God has for us. If what you are called to is in keeping you awake at night, then you don't have a big enough picture of what God's called you to. I'm not saying you shouldn't sleep, but what I am saying is that you should be vibrant with, God, what do you have next? God, what's going on next? What are you doing next? That should be alive in us like that. I didn't say that for any condemnation's sake. I wasn't saying that you literally have to be awake at night. Don't even be like, I, I, I sleep fine. Something's wrong with me. No, it's good. You're sleeping fine. That's a good thing. But what I'm saying is that when, when God, when God is, is working in you, it causes you to be awakened to the reality of what he's called you to. And without that, we're handicapped in our calling because our calling can't be satisfied or it can't, it can't come to fruition without the power of God bringing it to pass. Our calling is too big for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Woo! I got my burners on. Clock stop in Jesus' name. Let me, let me go to... Hmm, where do I want to go to? Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. You may show you something really cool. How many of y'all getting some revelation out of this? Here's the deal you have to remember is that revelation comes from the revelator, the revelator, the Holy Spirit. That's where it comes from. It's incredibly important because everybody wants to, and I know for me because I, I, I minister and preach, you know, multiple times a week, and I could remember being at a place to where I would listen to people speak and I would say, Lord, I want to be able, especially when I first started ministry, Lord, I want to be able to minister like that. And his answer would be, you need to go in the quiet place with me, Kent, and let me show you some things worth saying. It always comes back to relationship with the Lord. This is a great story here. Matthew 16 and verse 13. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, however you say that, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? Who do, I can't ever read this right. Yes, I can in Jesus' name. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Verse 14, so they said, some say John the Baptist, some say, some Elijah and others say uh, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so why were they saying those things? Probably because they seen some things in Jesus that reminded them of what they read about those prophets of old. And so they thought, well, it must be one of those, Jesus must be one of those prophets that's just, you know, it's a reincarnate of one of them. So then Jesus said to them, but who do you, who do you, my followers, who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. You know what's interesting? Is that Jesus didn't say, this is really important. Jesus didn't say, you know this because I told you this. I mean, don't you think that Jesus told them this? Don't you think that they had conversations with Jesus about this? Yeah. But he didn't say that you know that I'm Christ, the Son of the living God, because I told you. He said, you know this to be true because my Father who is in heaven, has revealed it to you. Now, let me ask you this question. Who has seen God at any time? The Bible says no one has seen God at any time. So how did God, whom they have not seen, reveal something to them, and it wasn't flesh and blood, which would have included Jesus, was not the one that revealed this to them, but it was the Father who was in heaven. You know why? Because he speaks and ministers to our hearts. There's no other explanation for it. He ministers to us. He speaks to us personally. It's a personal relationship. I know that we know this, but then sometimes we've got to step back and go, how well do we really know this? How, how, how well have we really sunk our teeth into this? Because he knows everything. He's God. <laughs> he knows everything. He knows everything. He knows every mystery, every secret, every everything there is to know. God knows all of it. But it's not through flesh and blood that these, these things come to you. You know that when you're sitting in a service and you're, you're listening, say, to me, to me minister, or whoever, your, your favorite ministers, which I know is me, but, you know, just whoever that might be. I'm, I'm kidding. Um, but whoever it is, and they're... They're spilling things out to you, and they're releasing things, and you're going, yeah, oh, wow, yeah, yeah. You ever been in a, a session like that? Tonight's that night, yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'm having a little fun. But you've been, you've been in those places, and, you know, in those times, even in here, different places where, where things will come to you, and you're like, yeah. Do you know that what you're getting is truth, but the reason you're bearing witness is because God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, is bearing witness on the inside of you. And do you know why people were living in a society where people don't believe in God like they should? It's because the church has relegated the Lord to an experience and not an encounter. We've been talking about this. There's a difference between how you can bring people into a church experience all day long. Did they encounter Jesus? You can sing songs. You can preach a sermon. You can do all the things that you need to do. The kids can color, do whatever they're going to do, and do the lessons and do whatever they're going to do. You can do all the stuff that you would do in a church. Do the same thing in your home. You can do all the stuff that you need to do. We did our Bible study. We did our Bible study every morning. Fine. Did the people encounter Jesus? Did they encounter God? Did they encounter the Holy Spirit? Because if they didn't, what are they going to believe in? Just your testimony or the testimony of God on the inside of them? We have a homing device on the inside of us. This is why I don't even believe in atheists. Whenever someone says, and I've told people this before, they're like, I'm an atheist. I'm like, no, you're not. There are, there are no atheists. There is no such thing as an atheist. There's proclaimed atheists. There's people that say they don't believe in God, but everybody believes in God. You can read in Romans chapter one. It says that although they knew him as God, they did not glorify him as God. Everybody knows that there is a God. Now, they may not know him intimately. They may not know him personally, but they know that they know there's a God. 
And the only way that people can get revelation, get understanding, and see things for how they really, truly are, the only way they can walk through the, the obstacle of life is for Jesus to come over and, and reveal that and pull the blindfolder off to where they can see where they're going, but they have to come to a place to where they're wanting him to do that. There are, there are um, exemptions to this. You know, Paul was riding on his way to Damascus, riding a horse, and I don't think his heart was really, really in tune with Jesus. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been killing the ones that Jesus had set on fire on the day of Pentecost. I don't think he would have been killing them. So there are exceptions where the Lord will come and do things like that. But the general rule of thumb is if you don't have a heart turned towards the Lord before you get saved and, and are willing and are looking for something, you're probably not going to get saved. Even if you have opportunities presented to you, if you're stuck in your own pride, you probably will not get born again. True story. And do you know that you can get born again? You can get enough revelation just to get born again and escape hell, but live in darkness all of your Christian life because of pride, because of, you know, just whatever. I, one of the first people that I led to the Lord, he's my best friend in high school, sitting in a Walmart parking lot, and I led him to the Lord. And man, tears were flowing. He's like, yeah, I need the Lord, and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And do you know that I couldn't tell that guy one thing about Jesus from that day forward? He acknowledged him as Lord. He knew he needed to be saved. We went through the whole shebang. I did a pretty good job, I think. I helped him see that, man, if you don't have Jesus, you're in trouble. You got to get saved. You got to put faith in him. He, he openly, as far as I can tell, it looked like he believed in his heart. I believe he did. But he definitely confessed with his mouth. I heard it with my own two ears. And I couldn't tell that guy anything from that day forward. Nothing. And then he was going to some church where they made him a deacon. Anyways feel bad for those people. <laughs> but this guy doesn't have any under... Anyways, forget that. Forget all that stuff. Whatever. You have to be at a point to where you want God to reveal things to you. And, and Jesus said, blessed are you, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Now, let me just jump down. I hit a couple other verses really quickly to close here. Psalm 25 and 14. This is in the Passion Translation. I love this. Psalm 25, 14. It says, now this, the Passion Translation, for those of you who don't, don't know how it operates, it takes a little bit of liberty in the language, but I'm fine with the liberty it takes here because I've, I've read, you know, New King James, King James and all that, and, and it has similar language, it just puts it a little bit more poetic and personal, it really is, is what it does. And so it says, there's a private place reserved. Do you know that there is a place, a private, secret, quiet place reserved there is a prayer closet. There is a whatever you want to call it. There is a place reserved. Maybe you've got a physical place in mind that you go to, but there is a place reserved for you and the Lord. If you're a lover of God, it says reserved for the lovers of God. Where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. Now, other translations will talk about the ones that fear the Lord, that he'll reveal secrets to them. And really to fear the Lord is to love God. When you fear God, you love him more than you do anything else. That's really what it means to fear the Lord in, in my estimation. So it says there's a private place reserved for the lovers of God where they sit near and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. I want to be one of those people that sits in that place. How about you? Look at this verse, and we'll close here in Matthew 13. Y'all getting something out of this? Man, I love talking about this. Jesus, thank you, Lord. You want to you know why? You want to know why this means so much to me? It's because there was, there was a time 
when I opened up my heart and I opened up my mouth and I said, Lord, there's got to be more. And the Lord came and he filled me and touched me in such a real and tangible way. People tried to argue, argue with what I got out of that, even though it wasn't their experience. But it was me and the Lord. And, you know, I got enough years on me that I was able to back up what I was believing based on that experience that it was indeed in the word. And it wasn't a Joseph Smith experience, right? Remember, you know, the guy that started the Mormon church and he saw an angel and now they do the strange things that they do. and They believe that Lucifer was Jesus's brother and weird things like that that are not scriptural. So you can have encounters and it not be the Lord, but when you have an encounter, it's the Lord. It will always be able to be verified by scripture. But even with that, I knew that I encountered the one true living God because I was reaching out to him and he came and he filled my heart with revelation. Illumination. I, the, 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 the curtains were pulled back and I began to see things that God was, was needing to show me that I needed to see. He wants to do the same thing for everybody. There's a verse over in Colossians. I'm not going to take time to go there. I don't have time to go there. But it talks about that, that he has made us qualified to be partakers. This is Colossians 1 and around verse 10, 12, something like that. He's qualified us to be partakers of his kingdom. You say, well, can I get revelation like this? Are you born again? Yes, you're qualified to get anything and everything that God has to offer. The only thing you have to do is you have to have personal relationship with him. You have to pursue that fellowship time with him. Because if you get revelation out, let me just say it again. This is so important. If you get revelation outside of relationship, you won't have the strength to endure the persecution that will come with the revelation. Now, that doesn't mean you should be scared about it, but that just means that you have to be strong enough to be able to deal with it. And it goes hand in hand. You spend time with Jesus, you'll be stronger than horseradish. And I've never even heard that. I mean, never even had that before. So I've just heard that somewhere. But it's pretty strong tasting, I think, is the point. So maybe you don't like the taste, but whatever. So here we go. It's strong. Matthew 13, 10, verse 10, it says, The disciples came to him and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. I'm in Matthew 13, verse 10, in case anyone missed what I said, I went fast. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, here's what Isaiah prophesied, hearing you will hear and you shall not understand and seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their, their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. And this is, I mean, you read this and it's like, isn't the Lord, I mean, it sounds like the Lord's saying that I don't want to heal them. I don't want to be with them. I don't want to bless them. I don't want to show them anything. But what he's saying is I don't want to give them things outside of what's required to be able to handle the things that I give them. If we get things outside of a relationship with the Lord, we came by it dishonestly. The honest way to get revelation is to sit at the feet of Jesus, which is why I believe that the Lord spoke to Martha and said that Mary has chosen the greater thing, which will not be taken away from her. What's the thing that the church was built on? If you go back and look at Matthew chapter 16, it was the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. Revelation can never be taken away from you. You could give it away, I suppose, and harden your heart, I don't know, but the enemy can't just come and steal from you what God gives you. 
That's why he fights so hard against it. But it says, blessed. Remember this language. This is what he spoke to Peter in Matthew 16. He said, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Same language here. He says, blessed are your eyes, disciples, followers of me, ones that love me, ones that are in covenant with me. Blessed are your eyes, for they see in your ears, for they hear. They made a choice to follow Jesus. They were in the, everyone's invited. With Jesus, everybody can be part of the in crowd. But if you want to have the goods of the in crowd, you got to submit your life. It's like the, the payment, the payment to get in, it's like Jesus made the payment, but at the same time, you can't bring anything with you. You can't enter in with all of your stuff. You have to enter in and say, my life doesn't belong for, to me. I'm leaving it at the door. And Jesus, I'm coming in. And whatever you want of me, my life belongs to you. It's the difference between making Jesus Savior and making him Lord. He's not just supposed to save us. He's supposed to be in charge of every area of our life. And when we will submit ourselves to him in that capacity, then we put ourselves smack dab in the middle of the place to receive revelation secrets from him as a true lover of God. And let me tell you something, he's longing for that. There's a place, there's a spot reserved for you to receive what God has for you. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit Overcomers Church International dot com.